Hello, I'm Claire. I'm wearing shorts, a t-shirt, and sandals. Hey there, I'm Israel. I'm wearing shorts and a t-shirt. Hello, I'm Andrew. I'm wearing shorts. Hello, I'm Charlie. Thanks, Zafira. I'm safe! I've escaped from Allied capture! Oh, wunderbar! It was very harrowing. I barely survived! Crawling through the tunnels, swimming across marshlands, until finally I arrived safely in Zafarzaland to continue the fight for the survival of the Aryan race! Fantastic! What is your name, soldier? I am Gunther Smith, Luftwaffe! Uh, Gunther Hans Smith, lost over a last terrain 42 days ago? Yes! Look at this! I filled out all the paperwork recording your death just this morning! You recorded it? Oh yes, just this morning with the official stamp and everything. How silly! Inconvenient. Uh, inconvenient, yeah, yeah. Well, I hope you can correct it soon. What? Oh, oh yes, this will all be corrected. Not to worry, just wait over there. Um, over here? Uh, yes, that's right. The administrative part of this job is such a bitch. Oh, Johnson, thanks for joining us today. Sorry I, I was late, sir. I just What's this? It, the paperclip report, sir. What are you talking about? It's the paperclip report you asked for, sir. About the paperclips. Look, Johnson, <laughs> do you know what Rodriguez had to be this morning? No, no, sir. A banana. A what, sir? Rodriguez handed me a banana. And do you know what I did with it? Um, no, sir. I ate it. I ripped into its succulent, fruity flesh. I devoured it as if I were a crazed jungle beast. I felt the sweetness of life. And then I had the most powerful and potent orgasm of my career. Um, uh... And you come in here and offer me a bottle of paper clips. Why the hell would you do that to you man? Well, it's just, well, sir, we're an office supply company, and you did ask me to have the report for you for the meeting. Did I really? Yes, sir. Just ask Rodriguez. Don't be silly. I've killed him. What? That's the problem with you. No resolve. No go. If you want to get ahead, you've got to rip the banana out of life's breast. Say with the ecstasy, come, and then kill a man in cold blood. Not just sit around writing useless reports about paperclips. Uh, well, I see. Um, now that Rodriguez is dead, sir. Yes. Can I have his position with a raise, of course? Are you mad? I have eaten a banana, ejaculated on another man, and then murdered him senselessly with a stapler. And you think you deserve a raise? Well. When you put it that way... I mean, it's totally ridiculous. Think you could have his job, I mean, you've only sold 14 boxes of paperclips. Many animals were needlessly harmed during the making of this program.
Hello, and welcome to Cinema Sensations. I'm here to talk with the famous American film producer Richard Agnew. Hello, Richard. Hi. Now, Richard, your latest film has been attacked by some critics for being too politically correct. How do you feel about that? There is no way you can make a movie in Hollywood, or anywhere these days, where someone won't find some way to have an angle on what you're doing, to stir up a bit of controversy. Yes, but your film, which was about World War II, made absolutely no reference to the Nazi party. You know, there are a lot of different stories to tell. That was a really big story. A lot of different avenues to explore. You also omitted showing any tanks, or aircraft, or handguns. Do you feel that is what the audience expected from a movie which was billed as taking place during the Normandy invasion? If you give the audience what they want, you don't surprise them. If you do surprise them, you risk. Hmm. Oh, well, most of the audience did find it surprising when the movie also forgot to mention the Japanese, the Jewish community, the English nation, and the Soviet and American involvement. Didn't it worry you, Richard, that the film you had billed as a World War II film actually turned out to be a pygmy in a cafe eating rice for four and a half hours? No, no, that never concerned me. That was a stylistic choice. And I will remind you that he is being served rice by a robot. So, it's not like the pygmy is just sitting there all alone. But, Richard, didn't you realize that the average cinema-goer wouldn't see the immediate connection between a pygmy sitting in a cafe and the events of World War II? Well, at one point, the robot was supposed to be wearing a swastika. However, one of the stagehands looked offended. I didn't want to take the chance, so that went. Anyway, most people these days learn history from the movies anyway. So, hey, I'm not worried. So... You want people to believe that the Second World War largely involved a hungry pygmy eating rice for about five hours, occasionally being served additional rice by a robot, which in the last few moments of the film cries uncontrollably because the bastard pygmy didn't leave a tip. Yeah, sure, why not? If that makes them happy. I don't quite know what to say now, except I'd like my money back. Hello. May I help you? Yes, I'm looking for a job. I'm sorry, we're not hiring right now. I thought this was an employment agency. Yes, but we're fully staffed ourselves, sir. Let's start over. I need help finding a job. That's funny. I work somewhere that helps people find jobs. Can I talk to someone else, please? Hi, I'm Tom. Can I help you? I sure as fuck hope so. I need a job. Alright, come this way, sir. You'll have to forgive us. We're just setting up these uh, new 386AT computers, but they're being a little slow today. Maybe that's because you're trying to run XP on them. Ooh, you're good. Alright, just sit down right here, sir. Enter your contact information and hit start. Ow, fucker! You sure do swear a lot. Why the fuck did you hit me, asshole? It's one of our little tests. I'm afraid you failed. We can't help you here. Say what now? You never know when your boss is going to walk up behind you and hit you on the head with a frying pan. That never happens. It does here. Linda! Would you find the Johnson account for me? Right away, miss. You people are fucking nuts. Now knock this shit off and find me a fucking job. What? I said find me a job, fucker. Gee, normally people just leave. We actually have no idea how to find a job. That's why we opened this place. 
If you want my advice, open up your own employment agency and let us go back to sleep. I'm here with Tom Sniper, head of Redundant Textbooks. Redundant Textbooks have quite a reputation for an unusual writing practice. Isn't that true, Mr. Sniper? Oh, yes. At Redundant, we've had stunning success with our textbooks. Largely, I think, because we join up different talented writers with the same first name. Such as... Well, we have a couple Simons writing mathematics textbooks, and a pair of Janets working on music and art appreciation. I see. And what about, say, history? Well, of course, history is written by the victors. The author of the previous sketch would like to apologise. Really, truly, he would like to apologise, but he can't. After presenting the previous sketch to us, we forced him down on the floor and then violently cut off his tongue, as a standard matter of discipline. Over the last few weeks, we have become accustomed to his wet gurgles, and we can definitely hear him say, I am sorry to you, the audience, for my transgression. Either that or he's saying, My God, you maniacs have cut off my tongue! Obviously, we prefer the former interpretation. I'm deadly serious about comedy. It's one thing to say that I'm deadly serious about comedy, and another thing to actually do something about it. What is comedy? Why does it exist? Comedy is a way to relax social tensions. It can help relieve someone from stress and anxiety. It can offer an uplifting psychological effect, and it can sometimes be- WRONG! Contestant number two, same question. What is comedy? Comedy is a group experience. It holds together diverse individuals by giving them a common experience. So you believe that comedy is sort of a social glue? Oh yes, exactly. Contestant number three, it's all up to you. Comedy is is a, a weapon through which we can take power and confidence from others while making ourselves seem smarter and superior? Yes, good, good. Um, and, uh, it's good for revenge and demeaning others. Yes, well, how about jokes that belittle different creeds and dehumanize outsiders? Funny or not funny? Oh, yes, very funny, terribly funny. And say jokes about dead babies? Uh, um, uh, not funny? So close, thanks for playing. That's all the time we have for today's lesson in lighthearted laughs. Please join me next time for an exploration of dark humor. Good evening. Tonight on Music of the Mind, it is my great pleasure to introduce a modern composer, David Jonathan Hendrickson. David, how are you this evening? I'm very well. Perfectly in tune with my muse this evening. Thank you for asking, Michael. Well, pleased to hear it. You know, David, I was recently looking through a very prestigious journal of composers when I came across your name. That would be Samson's International Journal of Composers. Very familiar with it. Um, yes, David. Now, the journal rates composers into different categories, or lists, as determined by their abilities and uh, creative contributions. The A-list composers are masters, such as Brahms, Bach, Mozart. The B-list are those luminaries who have not quite transcended greatness. And the C-list is made up of the more common composers, ones who may have put in diligent efforts but have not quite achieved the higher rites of passage. Yes, that's right. Does it worry you, David, that you placed in the J-list? No, not at all. 
J for genius is what I've always said. Um, I see. Uh, well, David, the list usually only goes to C. Do you have any idea why you placed so low? Well, a few years ago, I came out with a symphony that didn't quite work out for me, which was a total surprise because it was a real hit for Beethoven. Since then, I've experimented with a few things and come out with a new piece, which I've entitled Tortoise at Dawn. Thank you, David. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Tortoise at Dawn. Lieutenant, how's the war going? Great, sir. We've captured most of the western desert, and we should have secured the capital by this time tomorrow. That's not what I meant! I meant, Lieutenant! How are the ratings? Oh, uh, yes. I was afraid you might ask that. They haven't been doing all that well recently, actually, sir. How bad is it? Be honest. Latest intelligence shows that we're being beaten by... reruns of Benny Hill. A bloody hell, man! That bad! But why?! Well, sir, if you want my honest opinion, it's just that we always give them the same show. We come in, carpet bomb some hopeless dictator's third world nation until he gets bored with it and runs away. Then we pull down a couple statues and watch as their whole country goes down the crap hole, sir. But people love that! They did the first few times, sure, sir. But I think with this one, we should do something special, something different, for the folks back home. Let them know that this war is theirs, that they're the ones paying for it. What do you suggest? I think they'd like to see a more balanced fight. Real drama, real challenge, sir. Good thinking. That's just the sort of thinking we need round here. Of course, that, that's a bit of a challenge in itself. We got um, 70 stealth bombers, 350 mechanized infantry units, 25,000 soldiers on the ground. And they have... What are those things called? Um, rock, sir? Yeah, that's it! Well, no time to lose. You start sabotaging the tanks and assassinating our generals. Maybe perhaps send a few up in a helicopter or two. I'll give the rebels some M16s, Tomahawk missiles. We'll have a war on tomorrow that'll be so badly run and needlessly filled with bloodshed. We'll be shoo-ins for the best war of the year, Emmy! I mean, honestly, Israel and Palestine winning every year is just getting ridiculous. Hello and welcome to A Night on the Town with me, Michael St. Michael Michelson. With me tonight, we have a pretentious asshole author who desperately needs shooting. Hello, Jeremy. Or should I say, comrade? No, you shouldn't. We're all socialists together, aren't we? Actually, I've been a paid-up member of the Republican Party since conception. I also shoot old people, run down jaywalkers in my obscenely fast car, dress like a Nazi and fantasize about invading Europe. Yes, but that doesn't mean you're not a socialist. Yes, it does. No, everyone who's good is socialist. You may be a raving crypto-fascist who'd like to pull my guts out with your teeth, 
but if a time machine dropped you in the 13th century, Genghis Khan would think you were some kind of goddamn pinko. And modern political thinking is defined by Genghis Khan exactly how? Socialist thinking. Right. Um, so you're a socialist? Certainly. Who's worth 20 million and has his own private yacht. Look, my astral brother, socialism is a state of mind. As a gesture of socialist rebellion, every morning, I open my cornflakes packet from the end labeled Open Other End. And that concludes tonight's edition of A Night on the Town. Next week, we hope to have a lying bastard politician who desperately needs shooting. You know it makes sense. Everyone out! War criminals, cannibals, senators, renaissance popes, teenagers behind you in the cinema who won't shut up! So, this is heaven. And you are? Gunther Hans Smith, late of the Luftwaffe, glorious on conquering German Air Force. You lost. Oh. Well, anyway, um... This is heaven, yeah? Um... My paperwork said heaven? Let's see, come on. I'm looking forward to an eternity of peace, love, and beautiful women in reward for my faithful service to the Führer. Oops. Sorry, mate, there's been a clerical error. I'm sure you're a decent guy, it's uh, just that... <coughs> well, you know, it's, it's late some Friday afternoon, office clerk stamps the wrong form, you can't get the stuff these days. I haven't gone to heaven. Uh, no, you're in hell. No gorgeous women? We have naked demons. Do they have big breasts? Uh, they're more bulging pectoral muscles. The heavy lifting, dismemberment, beating, whipping, and so on. I suppose you could say they have big breasts. It really would help a lot if you stay down here. Uh, if you make a fuss, we'll have to get your paperwork restamped and refiled. And since we're switching to computers fairly soon... You have computers in hell? Yeah, but they'll only run Microsoft applications. I'm so sorry. It's a policy decision we're in hell. So, you're going to stay down here or what? Oh, all right. Ah, oh, cheers, mate. That was Sitfuso, a badly recorded and sluggishly edited audio program featuring the voices of Finn Clark, Charles Daniels, Israel Brown, Andrew Hobbs, and Claire Daniels. Writing credits go to Charles Daniels, Andrew Hobbs, and Finn Clark. Be sure to visit us at sitfuso.com for more information and to tell us what you think of the show. Sifusa has been sponsored by the National Socialist Party. Thank you.